0: Bills have been filed and some have been passed. We're several months into the biennial Texas legislative session and a lot has happened. Let's catch up. This is Listen In Lubbock. For Texas Tech Public Media, this is Listen In Lubbock and I'm Sarah Self Walbrick. The legislative session is always jam-packed with government updates that can have a big impact on Texans. Journalists carefully track it all because we get that you don't have the time to. One reporter who spends hours at the Capitol each week is Sergio Martinez Beltran of the Texas Newsroom. He joins us today from the Capitol to share a few updates. Sergio, to start off, this is your first legislative session in Texas. How's it going for you? It's going
1: great. I mean, greetings from a quietish hallway here at the Texas Capitol. It's going well. It's starting to get pretty busy. And we're starting to see actually some of the most important bills starting to make their way through either the Texas Senate or the Texas House. And we're also starting to see some drama among Republican leadership in the legislature. So it's starting to get very interesting.
0: I recognize that some people may not know much about how the Texas legislature works. So as someone who's also kind of new to it, can you give us a quick Texas Ledge 101 lesson? Sure,
1: so the Texas legislature is only 140 days every two years, right? So we are about 40-ish days away from the deadline for them to pass bills. And so over the last few months, lawmakers have been introducing their bills and have been filing Whatever piece of legislation they think it's important and now we're starting to see those bills uh, having their day in committee which means that a small group of lawmakers either in the Senate or in the House sit and discuss the bills and sometimes even amend the bills and if those bills pass those committees then they'll they're sent to to the full House or Senate for their consideration and then the big chambers pass them and then they send it to the next chamber and if they pass that bill there it'll go to the governor's office but mindful just a small small amount of number of bills actually goes to the governor's office so a lot of what we're seeing and a lot of the drama we're seeing here it's probably gonna go nowhere
0: I think about that a lot when we're reporting on bills that have been filed or bills that get a hearing in committees, but sometimes that's as far as they go. So I think that's really important to keep in mind is that as you hear about what's being filed and what's being talked about, nothing is a done deal until it reaches the governor's desk. So many bills don't make it there. So I really appreciate that additional context because I think it's really important for people who follow this to keep in mind. You've covered so many different things this year. Before we dive in deeper, let's just give some summaries of what's happened. What have you seen in the Texas Senate?
1: Well, the big thing for the Texas Senate has been passing the priority bills of the Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick, right? He issued some of these bills earlier in the year, and a lot of them are what I call anti-bills. So we have anti drag shows bills, anti-gender affirming care bills. We also see that the Senate is pushing forward its version of the spending plan for 2024 and 2025. That includes $16.5 billion dollars to provide property tax relief across the state. So that's what we're seeing. And the Senate truly has been kind of quick at pushing some of these bills I mean they have been given a day in committee we've heard robust discussions along these particular bills you know particularly the anti-gender affirming care and also anti-DEI anti-tenure bills but those are the priorities of the lieutenant governor so I'm not super surprised to see them moving forward but it, it just uh, it, it's a different stance than what House speaker date feel and has been trying to position himself you know Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick has made it clear that he wants to pass some of this, what some people might call cultural wire spills, whereas House Speaker Dade Phelan is not necessarily focusing on that yet.
0: Let's talk a little bit more about the House of Representatives, which is what House Speaker Dade Phelan presides over. What's happening there?
1: So in the House, I think the biggest piece of legislation that has come out is their budget, right? And this budget from the House of Representatives truly provides $17 billion for property tax relief. Their way they're planning on doing it is a little different than how the Senate has planned to do it. The House is planning on using that money to lower the appraisal caps across the state. And that's truly like one of the biggest pieces of legislation. Also, something that was interesting when the House passed the budget is that they included language that would prohibit state money to be used for the creation of voucher-like programs, like school vouchers, or even education savings accounts programs, which is something that the governor and the lieutenant governor have been pushing for. So that's so far what we've seen in the House. I think in the next few days and few weeks, we're going to start seeing the House picking up the steam and starting to pass some of the more controversial legislation that we've seen make their way through in the Senate.
0: And what about Governor Greg Abbott? How does he play into things? And What is he focused on this session?
1: That's a great question. You know, Governor Abbott has been truly focused on passing school vouchers or the education savings accounts. That's been his number one priority. He really wants it to make it happen. So he's been touring the state particularly going into districts that are uh, led by Republicans who oppose school vouchers in the past. So he's been going to those school districts, uh, trying to put some pressure on these Republican lawmakers who have opposed it. And also uh, a few weeks ago, we saw him here on the on the House of Representatives. He was on the floor just making his way around and talking to lawmakers and mingling and trying to make sure that they knew where he stands on some of these issues.
0: A lot of interesting dynamics. We'll continue our conversation about the Texas legislature Legislature after a short break. Stay tuned. You're tuned in to Listen in Lubbock. I'm your host, Sarah Self Wallbrick. Before the break, the Texas newsroom, Sergio Martinez Beltran shared some bullet points of what's happened so far this legislative session. Let's go a little deeper. I want to take a second to note that we're recording this conversation on Tuesday. Things can change between now and Friday morning when this airs. Okay, Sergio, let's start with school choice because it's been a hot topic up here in West Texas. Can you first explain what's been proposed?
1: Sure. So what's been proposed is a form of school vouchers called education savings accounts. And truly, the Senate version, for example, would give kids $8,000 for them to use to pay for the tuition of a private school, but also for services like tutors and books and other education related Costs, right? And so that's what we've seen make their way through the Texas Senate. And that's something that the Lieutenant Governor strongly supports. It's also something that Governor Greg Abbott really wants. Now we are seeing, right, the same resistance that we've seen in the past from Republican lawmakers that represent rural communities who are worried that a school plan like this, right, a proposal like this will have a negative impact on the finances of their school districts, which at times, as you know, are the biggest employers in in those areas.
0: And so where does the school choice debate stand right now?
1: Right now, we're still waiting, waiting to see what the Senate and the House does on the respective bills, right? Like I mentioned, the House has language in their budget that says that no public funds could be used for the creation of a voucher program like this and it means that if the house does not strip out that particular language the voucher program idea will be dead now we are not expecting that language to stay there in the past the house of representatives have passed a similar language and it has been stripped out in, in conference committee or in negotiations between the senate but that's something that i think sends a strong signal to governor abbott and to the lieutenant governor that at least in the house there are some republican members that are against a school voucher program like this. And I think that, again, this is something that a lot of Republicans run on during the election. And so they're going to keep pushing until something happens. And we've already heard from some Republican leaders who have said they are not going to stop until something passes. And they even mean, if this means going into a special session in the summer... They're going to be doing it because they really think this needs to pass.
0: You've also been following school safety legislation in the wake of the tragic mass shooting in Uvalde last year. I want to note that Lubbock Representative Dustin Burroughs chaired a committee that looked at what happened at Robb Elementary School and has been involved in several bills about this. What's happening on the school's safety front?
1: So we are starting to see some movement, at least in the House side, related to... The school safety bills Particularly gun related bills right? I think school safety is one thing But what a lot of people have been asking for At least the families of the victims Of the Ovalde shooting But also the Santa Fe shooting Is to have bills that target gun violence And so Today, actually, which is Tuesday, we're seeing some of these bills make their way through. I mean, at least we're seeing some of these bills have a hearing and we're seeing the families becoming even more involved now because they really want, again, something to pass. And we're we're seeing bills that would create extreme risk protection orders or red flag laws, right? We're also seeing bills that would increase the minimum age to purchase a semi-automatic rifle from 18 to 21. But then there are also bills that some people say could have had prevent the Ovalde shooting, like uh, ensuring that if you buy multiple magazines, you have to report that somewhere. Or like if you buy multiple firearms, at the same time, that has to also be reported. So some of these bills that we're seeing, at least the advocates and the supporters of them say they could have prevented the Ovalde shooting and they hope for them to pass so they could prevent the next mass shooting.
0: Are there any other gun control bills that folks should know about?
1: Well, I mean, I think... Another interesting bill that will be heard this week is a bill by Briscoe Cain, who is a Republican, and his bill would do something, I think, pretty interesting, again, when we're seeing what the families of victims of gun violence have asked for. So this bill by Briscoe Cain would actually prohibit the state from implementing any extreme risk protective order or any red flag law. And if that bill were to pass, truly some of these lawmakers and some of these advocates would have one less resource to push for because it would be prohibited.
0: Let's talk about higher education. One bill filed in the House by Lubbock Representative Carl Tepper proposes defunding diversity, equity and inclusion offices and efforts at universities. What's going on there?
1: That's a great question. And this is one of the things that, you know, I mentioned at the beginning of the show, which is that we're seeing a lot of anti-bills, right? This is one of them, the anti-DEI measure. And we have the House version carried by Representative Carl Tepper, but we also are seeing it actually make its way through the Texas Senate. And truly, this bill would prohibit diversity, equity, and inclusion programs in public universities. And, uh, you know, we've heard from some Republicans who have said that the system or those programs have been used to advocate, and they've said they're almost like liberal slash woke programs. And they want them to end. Now we've heard from uh, some advocacy groups like the NAACP and the Texas Legislative Black Caucus who have said that there's a reason why DEI programs exist and there's a reason why they are important. They say that part of it is to create, and when you have DEI programs, you're creating a welcoming environment and you're training folks to understand the differences that makes us all strong. But this is one of those bills, right, that would, again, go after um, a program that many people have have said it's important and, and should be kept.
0: Because this is an important one in our part of the state, tell us about the Texas University Fund.
1: Yeah, so that's a new funding source that would go to some of the Texas public universities. In fact, The first universities are Texas Tech, like you mentioned, Texas State University and the University of Houston and the University of North Texas. And these are billions of dollars that are being proposed by the Senate and by the House. And they would pretty much fund new research and innovation which is something interesting right because as you know our universities in texas are known for for our research and for groundbreaking discoveries and these funds would definitely be beneficial but also we've heard from some folks who have said that money is not all it's the freedom of teaching right and and this goes with one of the bills that we're seeing making again their way through the texas senate which is an anti-tenure bill Uh, bill that has been proposed would prohibit new offers of tenure, which are long-time appointments in public universities, and, and this, this bill would end that. Now, professors who currently have tenure will be able to keep them, but one thing that it's important is that, of course, we've heard Republicans who have said that tenure needs to end because it's been used by the liberal professors, but also they've pointed out at, like, lazy professors who keep their positions at the public universities because they have this appointment. Now, we've heard from professors who have said that tenure has allowed them to actually do research because they have been able to take risks without fearing of losing their jobs. I've heard from a professor that comes to mind, uh, Andrea Gore, who teaches pharmacology at the University of Texas at Austin. She has said that, you know, her research has brought millions of dollars to her department, but also has allowed her to fail. Having tenure has allowed her to like take risks, to fail and then to find groundbreaking discoveries and and to implement cutting edge research. So this fund certainly would be welcome by a lot of the universities in the state and would be super helpful. But I think um, other professors are concerned that it's not just about money, it's just about the legislature letting them teach without fear of losing their jobs.
0: That's a really interesting point. Just to tell you a little bit more about the Texas University Fund, this has been proposed as a way to make some college funding a bit more equitable in the state. These conversations really heated up after the University of Texas announced that it would be leaving the Big 12 Conference. There were concerns about how that would affect funding at the universities that are left if they weren't able to generate some of that high-dollar, big rival kind of revenue. And this has been proposed as a way to kind of make things more equal compared to the permanent university fund. That gives over $30 billion to the University of Texas and Texas A&M Systems of money that comes from natural resources in West Texas. This has been a controversial thing for a while, and this is kind of one of the first efforts we've seen go very far to at least get some balance in that kind of funding. It's time for another quick break. We'll be right back with more of our conversation with the Texas newsroom, Sergio Martinez Beltran. Stick with us. This is Listen in Lubbock, and I'm your host, Sarah self Walbrick. The Texas legislative session wraps up at the end of May. Many bills have already passed, but there's still a lot of work to be done before sign die. Sergio Martinez Beltran is the Texas newsroom reporter covering state politics. Let's continue our conversation about what's happened so far and what could happen over the next month. Sergio, another big topic this session has been drag shows. Tell us about that.
1: Right. We've seen legislation in the Texas legislature that would severely restrict drag performances across the state, right? It's important to clarify this would not ban drag performances, which would be inaccurate to say, and we've heard some of that misinformation spread around, but this would severely restrict their performances, and that is because, for example, there's a bill that would prohibit the performances in front of minors it would also could classify some of them as sexually oriented performances so that's why they would not be allowed to happen in front of minors uh, there's also a bill that also passed in the senate that would ban drag shows or drag queen story hours these are the events that tend to happen at public libraries where a drag performer reads a children's book to kids it's interesting right because uh, A lot of the conversation that we've heard from Republicans to support this bill is that drag queens and drag kings, you know, their performances are sexual and that it would be exposing kids to sexual material. But we've talked to some of these drag performers who have said, hey, we are not stupid, right? We know when to perform in a certain way and how to perform in another way, right? And it depends the audience. It depends who is the audience member. And they've said, you know, we don't want minors at the gay bars at 11 p.m on a Friday night but we want to have the opportunity to read a book to them, a children's book to them so they see that representation matters. So that's something that we've, we've seen and, and those two bills that I've talked about have already passed the Senate and are awaiting the consideration of the Texas House. There is a third bill that I think it's important to note. I'm not sure how much appetite there is in terms of the legislature to pass this bill but I think it's an important one and it's a bill that would allow anyone who, you know, was part of a drag show or was part of an audience Member in of a drag show to sue the drag performer, and the statute of limitation of that bill would be ten years, which is it's huge and it's very similar to the strategy that Republicans used to pass some of the anti-abortion bills. So, again, I'm not sure whether that bill would move forward, but it's it gives you an idea of how Republicans are full out against uh, drag performances in the state.
0: We've seen bills targeting trans people for multiple sessions now. What's happening? this time.
1: Well, the state legislature is really trying to ban gender affirming care. And uh, I think that that's something that we've seen in other states happen. But I think the way Texas is going about this particular issue is a little different. And that is because under a bill that passed the Texas Senate, gender affirming care for minors will be banned. And also that means that minors currently on gender transition medications that could be puberty blockers or cross hormone sex therapy or even, even surgery, they would have to stop that process by September 1st if this bill were to become law. And there's a lot of concerns about that because, you know, they say that withdrawal, experts say that withdrawal from these medications, if it's abrupt, could have a real impact on the mental health and the physical health of these people on transition related medicine. And that's something important. And, and something that I think it's interesting, Sarah, is that initially the Senate, when they consider this bill, the sponsor of the bill in the Senate, Senator Jonah Campbell, who is an emergency room physician, added an amendment that would grandfather in the minors currently on gender affirming care, which meant that they would be exempted and they would be able to continue their process. And then last minute, after the Senate initially voted to pass the bill, Senator Campbell decided to take out that amendment. And uh, that means that now under the current language of the Senate bill, minors that are under gender affirming care would have to stop that process. Now in the House, It might be another situation. We know that the sponsor of the house version of the bill also was supportive of the amendment and he doesn't understand what happened that that changed last minute. So there could be some negotiations between the chambers. But that's something that I think it's important to know that it's different than what we've seen in other states that have grandfathered in some of these some of these minors.
0: This is a hard shift in topics, but it's an important one that affects a lot of Texans. A priority just about every session is lowering property taxes. Is that happening this year?
1: It sounds like it. It sounds like the Republican leadership and the Democratic leadership really want to target property tax relief this this time around in a serious way. Now, their plans are very different. So bear with me here. The Senate plan proposes using $16.5 billion to lower property taxes, and the way they plan to do that is by raising the homestead exemption from forty thousand dollars to seventy thousand dollars. The homestead exemption is how much taxable your your property value is, and and so for example, if a house is a hundred thousand dollars currently, you would have to pay taxes for sixty thousand dollars of it, but if it's raised to seventy thousand dollars, then you would have to pay taxes for only thirty thousand dollars of your property value, if that makes sense. I'm not a mathematician here, but (laughs) I'm doing my best. Um, So that's the example of how the Senate wants to tackle this. Now, the House have said they really want to provide property tax relief to more people. So the way they're planning on doing it is by lowering the appraisal caps. That means that currently your house property, you know, your appraisal cannot go up more than 10% every year. So they want to like lower that maximum to 5%. And they say that that would provide property tax relief to more people, not only property owners, but to other folks, because this particular bill in the house would apply to homeowners but also to commercial property so they say hey we're giving some sort of tax relief to more people now the interesting things are is that the house is very proud of their plan and of course the senate is very proud of their plan and we have heard senator dan patrick say that he doesn't negotiate in quote bad math that's how he's calling it and he says that if the house sends his version of property tax relief to his chamber it won't go nowhere
0: I've paid property taxes and still find them a bit confusing. So I think that was a really good explanation of how it's being talked about this time around. Let's also talk about the state's budget, which has an over $32 billion surplus this session. How are budget negotiations going?
1: So each chamber already passed their version of the budget. The House passed a few weeks ago, the Senate passed their version of the budget this week, and now it's going back to the House to decide whether they conform with it, if, You know whether they adopt the Senate's version, or whether they send it back to the Senate. And then that means there'll have to be some uh, negotiations, what we call conference committees, which is that the House sends a delegation, the Senate sends a delegation, and they sit together and they hash out differences. And so that's what we are expecting to happen. I mean, a lot of the things in the budget truly are similar in both chambers. I think the biggest differences, right, are in uh, how we provide property tax relief to Texas homeowners and also, you know, a little bit of the language that we've seen. Like I mentioned, the anti-school voucher language. It's one of the big things that I bet is going to be negotiated and probably taken out at the end of the day. But I think we are in the part where both chambers have passed it. Negotiations will happen soon. And hey, a reminder, this is the only thing they're constitutionally required to pass, right? The budget. And so we are paying attention to it because it's an important document and it's an important legislation that has an impact on everyone, right? It it tells what are the priorities of Texas lawmakers.
0: We have a little over a month left in the regular session. As you mentioned earlier, the governor can still call special sessions after that. But what can folks expect to happen between now and May 29th?
1: A lot of long days, right, and a lot of negotiations between the chambers. We've already seen committee hearings go until 10, 11, even 1 a.m., so we're expecting that to continue, particularly as we get closer to May. The House of Representatives has actually a deadline to pass bills and send them to the Senate, so we're going to start seeing some of those bills being rushed. And yeah, I think that's what we're going to be seeing, a lot of negotiations, a lot of passing of bills, a lot of bills dying as well and pressure from the different advocacy groups and voters to try to get their bills across the line.
0: Sergio Martinez Beltran is the politics and government reporter for NPR's Texas Newsroom. Thank you so much for sharing your insight with us today. I'll link to many stories about the Texas legislative session in the web version of today's show. Find that and more local programming at ttupublicmedia.org. Until next time, thanks for listening in.